Happy Wednesday to you and welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast for Wednesday, December 4th. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, joined later on the show by John DeShazer. And our guest today will be NFL Network's MJ Acosta. She covers the Bay Area teams, of course, for NFL Network, a great reporter. Excited for her interview. And we'll also do Saints sit-downs because it's Wednesday. We do a little different dad episode because, of course, the holidays are time for family and cheer. And so I'll sit down with Craig Robertson who is a linebacker for the Saints, of course, and tight end Josh Hill to get a little insight on the holidays spent with family and what their favorite part of the holiday is as a dad. All right, let's go ahead and get into our interview with MJ MJ, Acosta. before we get into this NFC matchup between the 49ers, all right, before I let you go, I promise Saints sit down. So here is linebacker Craig Robertson and tight end Josh Hill. Storyline of today, do you have any thoughts uh, on the level of impact that this will have moving forward and, and maybe just on Ron Rivera himself? Yeah, I think that on a on a like personal level throughout the organization, you know how beloved and respected Ron Rivera was, and so I finally got to meet him in person uh, earlier this year at the owners' meetings in, in Arizona, and you know we had a we had a moment there talking about the Hawks and Puerto Rico, the Republic, um, and it was just an interesting story of of sort of his family background, where, where that kind of personality and work ethic comes from him. And um, he was out advertised, you know, my coworker, Tiffany Blackman, has a really strong uh, uh, kind of relationship with Ron, and, and he has spoken about just the incredible human that he is, aside from the kind of coach that he's been. Um, and I have heard about that um, not only was looked at uh, quite heavily from other teams, I, I can't imagine people aren't interested in having him on board uh, with any franchise at this point. Absolutely. Well, we've seen nothing but good things, of course, about Ron Rivera. And and when the Panthers come to the Superdome at the end of the season, we know that they'll have an interim coach. So we'll have to see how that goes. But of course, uh, you cover most of the Bay Area teams uh, out there in in Cali. First of all, how is that? Is that kind of interesting and fun covering those teams? I was talking to Tiffany on Monday and she's been covering the NFC South and she was talking about how nothing has pretty much gone the way she expected it to in the NFC South. <laughs> Same thing here. I mean, I moved um, to the Bay Area last year for this role with the NFL Network Club. For Tom, both uh, the Raiders and the 49ers. And last year, you know, both of them did not fare very well. Um, and so I, it sort of emerged from most of the West Coast teams from Seattle uh, down to Los Angeles. Uh, but this is a very different story with the 49ers being as dominant as, as they have been. And personally, I saw that kind of growth specifically speaking on the Niners, um, from last year, the draft class they brought in, including the pieces they already had from the draft class before then, and you could just see the, the pieces of that puzzle coming together. And then, of course, the Raiders still still very much in this fight um, within their own division. It, it's just been really interesting going back and forth between Oakland and Santa Clara. Uh, both teams have very specific and very different identities, not only – among the teams, but also the fan bases here, too. So it's been quite the ride. MJ, we we know, obviously, San Francisco having a fantastic season this year. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo injured uh, in the past, and and every team has expectations. But did anyone there see this, a 10-2 team that's fighting for the number one seed in the NFC and a team that looks like it's very much Super Bowl worthy? I think the people who thought the most was people within the organization of the 49ers. I, I was able to do um, kind of host a, a charity weekend with them, and they spoke to the fans that were in attendance there, and you could just hear 
the confidence in your voice. It's like, guys, we have this up our sleeve. We've been building on this for several years now. This season is going to be different. And you could just hear it in the tone of, of coaches like Robert Sala and Kyle Shanahan that there was such there was an X factor there and, and it's like the recipe fully came together this season and, and they've been executing exactly how they needed to be, but they also wanted to be under the radar. They wanted to be that team that nobody expected. Um, and they've been pushing through. I mean, here we are week 14 and they are still very much the real deal. How do you feel they're handling now that they are the hunted? I mean, you know, it, it's easier to climb the mountain than it is to stay atop the mountain. How are they handling it now that teams are you know, using them as the target? Right. I think one of the biggest things you'll hear over and over within the locker room when I talk to the guys and the players is that they don't see themselves as the ones on top of the mountain. Every week they go into it as we are the underdogs. We are the people nobody believes in. We're the team that everybody discounts, even though um, <laughs> they've, they've won 10 of their games this season so far. So I think that's, has been a big part of their success is that mental aspect of it, um, knowing that to them they're still very much that group under that team. You know, offensively, this seems to be a team that really has some guys who who can do some some damage to you, especially at tight end with Kittle and Breda at, at running back Georgia Southern. Uh, but <laughs> but um, you know, those guys. You know, how have they been able to mine that kind of talent? Because we saw that kind of thing out of the Saints in the past when. They were able to get a Pierre Thomas or a Jimmy Graham at tight end and those kinds of things. How have they been in the personnel department in terms of constructing this team? Yeah, not only those guys that are kind of under the radar, but then the depth at those positions. So you saw when Kittle wasn't playing, Rock Duelli jumped in there, and he was fantastic at tight end and at fullback when Kyle Uzcheck wasn't playing um, as well. So they have these, these very dynamic, very diverse uh, players at each position offensively. And then when you look at the running back group and you've got – Matt Breida, but you also have Kevin Coleman and Raheem Bostert, who just had a, a monster game. So you have all of these guys that can can plop in there at any moment and still be just as impactful as the guy at the top of the depth chart. You know, MJ, some of us around here are old enough to remember the Niners when they were winning all those Super Bowls okay. and the 16 straight <laughs> uh, 10 win seasons. I'm poking a little fun at Caroline, but but you know, I know the Niners fans out there probably got a bit spoiled during that streak. Uh, have they kind of gained an appreciation for what was accomplished then and what's being accomplished now? Yeah, I mean, the history of this team definitely runs deep. It's something that, you know, they hold the Lombard, but they do have very, very close, and they know sort of the, the roller coaster trajectory of the team, the, the, the ebbs and flows of the history of, of when they had very successful seasons, and then not, not so much like the past few years. So I think the fan base here also is a the, the folks that have been through it all, through the cats, through the Super Bowls, you know, and, and they really hold that dear. And, and so many of the fans that, that speak with us um, out at game days say, I'm looking at this team and I remember when, you know, back then. And, and it reminds us so much of, of that Super Bowl era time with the 49ers. And, and that's what uh, they're, they're hopeful and faithful that will happen this year. And Jay, when we were watching the 49ers and Ravens game last week, we were kind of, you know, wanting uh, the Ravens to, I don't want to say win, but we were kind of nervous because we were like, okay, if they lose, they're going to be coming into the Superdome kind of with another chip on their shoulder. Like, okay, you know, we, right. we're coming off of a loss. We want to get this win. But now you have even more implications because, uh, you know, they're fighting for the one seed in the NFC. Have you been in the locker room at all this week? I don't know what availability has been like. Have you gotten kind of that that chip on your, their shoulder feeling going into this weekend? 
They definitely do. And I think one of the bigger things, and the team is actually right now in um, Sarasota, Florida. Um, so they, they remains on the East Coast, uh, just making sure that they can have as, as much time as possible to train and not so much travel. Um, and, but the guys still see it that way. I mean, obviously losing to the Ravens um, wasn't ideal um, for the 49ers. It was a game that really, up until the last seconds, as we were all watching, we were like, man, we don't know which way it's going to go. And the fact that it came down to a field goal was just spoke to the level of play at that game. And I anticipate something very similar at the Superdome this week. Um, it's just it's the type of energy um, from the New Orleans fans I think will be one of the biggest challenges for the 49ers to take on. Uh, it's, it's just You can't sort of replicate that at all during a practice week. So, um, but they're built still very much focused. And I think when Orleans, knowing how dominant the Saints are, and I mean, from Drew Brees to Cam Jordan on defense, I mean, there's no part of the Saints team that you can discount in any way, shape, or form. And they know that. Um, at least that's what the guys have told me um, as they prepared for the two week stretch on the East Coast. Um, so they, they still very much have a chip on their shoulders. Um, and I don't think the outcome of the, of the Ravens game changed that. You know, quick note here before Caroline tosses you another question, but the Saints uh, did the same thing early in the season when they stayed out west uh, for the right. Seattle uh, Rams back-to-back. And I think we were on the West Coast about 10 days, and I guess, you know, they decided the Niners decided to do the same thing here on the on the East Coast instead of going back home, mm-hmm. just staying and remaining adjusted. So, you know, we'll see how it works out for them. But obviously, uh, I think that's a good strategy for, for a team if, if they've got the temperament for it. A hundred percent. I mean, it's just eliminating the time zone change uh, is is a major benefit um, for any West Coast team. Because like even I think when you travel from East Coast to West, you're gaining time, right? So you get a few extra hours. Going the opposite way is when it gets a little bit tough. And then of course heading into to the South, where the climate is completely different. I'm from South Florida, so I get it completely how <laughs> humid and how the humidity changes things for you. Um, so it, 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 it's just one of those things that's part of the strategy, just as much as the game plan. Um, obviously, things knew that very well, um, staying in, on the West Coast early in the year. So it, it all plays out and adds you know, wrinkles and layers to the plan. MJ, are you going to be coming out here for the game on Sunday? It will be our beloved Steve White. He will be holding it down in New Orleans. I did volunteer as tribute, I got to tell you. Yeah, I mean, we'd love to have you down case. here. The food's great. <laughs> the weather is, is okay right now. It's not freezing, so it's it's nice. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the food, you can't beat it. You know, I think they're, they're trying to save me from myself uh, after <laughs> Thanksgiving and, and all the gluttony. Who knows how it could have gone down for me once I got to New Orleans and all that amazing cuisine. So maybe they did me a favor in that, <laughs> in that aspect. Yeah, JD's uh, fallen into the trap of gluttony, that's for sure. <laughs> I would have taken it though. I would have taken the hit happily. <laughs> All right, MJ, make sure uh, you follow MJ Acosta if you haven't already on Twitter. You can find her at MJ Acosta. That's M J A C O S T A T V. Make sure you follow her. And also, the NFL 100 All Time Series continues on Friday at 7 p.m. Central on NFL Network, revealing the cornerbacks, safeties, and specialists who made the team. MJ, we appreciate you joining us on the show today. Thank you guys so much. All right, before I let you go, I promise Saints sit down. So here is linebacker Craig Robertson and tight end Josh Hill. Craig, favorite part of the holiday with kids? Uh, just watching their faces. Like even like when you're cooking on Thanksgiving or Christmas, you know what I'm saying? Then waking up. Uh, for one, like we teach like the, the understanding of what Christmas is, not just gifts and presents. So them like learning, you know, like the body of Christ and learning that it's his birthday. 
and then like Thanksgiving, like understanding for them to be thankful for stuff. And it's actually, I guess the biggest thing for us would be like teaching. How is it like balancing giving your kids everything you want to give them, but also <coughs> knowing that they're a lot more fortunate than probably most kids their age? Yeah, um, honestly, like we shower them through the year. So when uh, stuff like Christmas comes up, we don't give them like a, a, a whole lot. We just kind of say that to grandparents because they're going to shower them because that's what they want to do. So we just kind of hold it up like that. Do you have a favorite Disney movie or a Disney movie that's kind of constantly going on in the house right now? Because you have toddlers and then you have a young one. Nah, I'm home alone. They got to watch it. You got to understand it. You got to catch on, and you'll catch on sooner or later because that's what we watching. You're here a lot for a lot of the day. Is it hard being away from them, or is it kind of nice getting a break sometimes? You know, uh, it's work, you know, so they know during the season it's work. Uh, my daughter, she's the oldest, so if anybody knows, she knows. She's been with me since Cleveland here. She's five, so she understands, like, hey, when daddy leaves, he's at work. But uh, in the off season, you know, I'm, I'm always around, full-time dad, so it's it kind of got its uh, plus and minuses. Is there something that you, your kids have now that you wish that you ha- would have had when you were a kid? Two houses. No. Nah, uh, Did they get two Christmases? No, nah, one Christmas. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I kind of want to give them, like, for, for me, I guess, they they get the opportunity to travel a lot and see more. And I didn't I didn't travel that much when I was younger, so I guess that would probably be it. Is there anything they don't have now that you wish they would have, like, for instance, <laughs> like Blockbuster or something like that? No, nah, Blockbuster. We used to walk in Blockbuster and, like, they find something, we don't got it. Can I get this? I don't got it. You didn't have a good experience with Blockbuster? No, I hated Blockbuster. All right, well, give me another example then. Uh, I don't know. Nothing? Nothing that you wish they could have experience? They play outside and do all that stuff, like razors. They have all those scooters and stuff. Uh, no scooters, but they play outside. We got we stay in like a little circle, so they're always outside running. They got bicycles, little motorcycles, so they got everything I got. I appreciate you. Josh, what's your favorite part of the holiday with the kids? Probably just seeing the excitement. You know, we do the Elf on the Shelf, and they love it. So um, just seeing the excitement, shoot, really all of December. Have they had any, have they, sorry, have they had any, like, negative responses to any of the gifts you've gotten them? I can't think of any negative responses. Our oldest little, our oldest girl is, uh, the past four years, she's been terrified of Santa. So um looks like we're going the right direction, though, so I think this year is going to be positive. Do you think she's going to sit on Santa's lap and do all the, the whole deal? I think this could be the year, yep. So how difficult is it to kind of, you have four kids, so keeping them grounded, but also giving them the life that you want to give them, spoiling them, giving them everything they want, but also, like, keeping them grounded? Right. I think uh, my wife helps me with that, you know, because during season I can kind of get lost in that where um not home a lot, so I want to spoil them when I'm there, but... Um, keeping the routine and keeping everything consistent and uh, she's obviously a huge part of that how valuable are those Tuesdays when you get a chance to be home because obviously those other days of the week you're away you're you're out and you're kind of just home every once in a while how important are those Tuesdays for you to be home with them it's huge I mean just spending those hours with them um, the excitement we have the fun that we have on those days uh, we, we always look forward to it 
Okay, so if, is there anything that you, that your kids have now that you wish you would have had as a kid? So, like, you know, there's, like, all those, like, leapfrog stuff and, you know, stuff like that. Is there anything that you wish that you would have had as a kid that they have now? I would say the technology. I've always kind of been a little bit of a tech nerd. So um, some of the, I mean, the iPads and everything they play on, I, I would have enjoyed that at that age. Is there anything that they don't have now that you wish they could have experience to? Like mine is Blockbuster. Like I wish there was Blockbuster still in existence so I could maybe someday take my kids to Blockbuster because that was awesome, right? Yeah, yeah I would say probably less technology. Okay. <laughs> you know, at the same time, it's a double-edged sword. Um, be outside, you know, a little more. Um, less distractions from um, the electronics and just the, the overload of information. Just kind of let them relax a little more. I think it's harder and harder for them to do. So probably that. Appreciate you, Josh. Thanks to those guys for joining us on the show, as well as MJ Acosta. Today's show was brought to you by SeatGeek. If you're trying to find tickets to football games or any other live event, it can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing. But with SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats, buy from any device, and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple taps. With their deal score technology, they rank the most valuable seats based on price, location, historical data, and more. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase when they use the SeatGeek app. Use code GOSAINTS at checkout. That's code GOSAINTS, no spaces, at checkout. SeatGeek, score the best deals on tickets. All right, that'll do it for the Wednesday edition. We'll have another show, of course, on Friday with Kevin Burkhart, who will be calling the game for NFL on Fox this weekend. You don't want to miss it. All right, we'll catch you on Friday. <laughs>